We thank you, Lord, for an environment where the kingdom's inside of us, God. We don't have to look here or there, but you said that the kingdom is here inside of us. We thank you that you told us to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done in the earth, God. We thank you for a celebration of your kingdom, Lord, in the earth, in us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we get to be your people and you're our God. We thank you for steps of obedience. I just pray for every person that took that step of obedience as a faith family, God, that we believe that they're having open space and open promises, room to breathe, Lord, as they see that old life drowned and take on that new life in an open, open space of your promise, Lord. We thank you for this journey we're on, God, called faith. We give you all the praise and honor and glory today. And we thank you for a celebration in Jesus' name. Come on, everyone. Give God praise and amen. Do you believe it? Amen, amen, amen. Come on. It is good to be in God's house. Transformation Church, y'all feeling good today? <laughs> Baptism Sunday, miracles. It's no, it's, there's no place like home being in God's presence. Come on, welcome home to the house of God. I'm so glad you're here. Look at somebody and say, grab your seat, but don't take it with you if you can. And uh, we're going to jump into the last part of this series. Uh, God has been doing some special things today. I believe that um, he wants to engage and encounter your life. As we've been on the Holy Spirit for the last month, I think it's helped a lot of people. I think it's maybe brought some clarity to people. It's not been as confusing, and I, I hope it's helped you some. You can go back online and look up uh, some of our previous uh, sermons on this topic. Um, next week, we're going to transition into a new series. And in November, every year, I start our vision season. And so really, I'm going to begin to cast vision for 2020, where our church is headed, what it looks like, what we're believing for and praying for. So I'd love you to be a part of that and come hang out. The series is going to be called We Are Well Able. We Are Well Able. It comes from Numbers 13, where Joshua and Caleb are going to take the promised land with 10 other spies. And uh, 10 have a bad report. Come on, and two have a good report. You ever been around the 10 that are always negative? Come on, that's not who we're called to be. And two have a good report, and God said, go take the land. And Caleb says this statement. He says, we are well able. And so we're going to just really talk about us as a family, as a church, being well able to go where God's calling us to go. And so we'll, go, we'll culminate that series with a big offering. We do that every year, uh, above and beyond offering, uh, just to help kind of sow in and finance the vision for the next year to get us started in that. It's good to put our, our faith uh, with our action and put it together. So that'll be December the 8th, and I'm just going to be preaching on vision and those next steps leading all the way up to that offering. And so uh, can't wait. Our church is such a generous people, and I believe there's a blessing and a promise in it for you, not just us as a whole entire church. And so I'll share on that. Uh, we're going to end this series today. And um, I, we looked last week at some of the side effects of the Holy Spirit. Today, our service is a little bit different. We've got water baptism, but we're also only did a couple songs. We're going to save a song for the end, and we're going to go back into worship here at the end a little bit, and we're actually going to have an altar time. We, we don't do this every week. If you're new to our community, um, we don't have an altar call like that every week where we come forward, but we're going to have our prayer team today. I think it's important that when we teach and talk about the Holy Spirit, we don't just talk about it, but we get to encounter His presence. And, and so I want to be real clear, though, because some of you hear me saying this and you're freaking out right now, like going, oh, my God, they're going to push me. They're going to put me on the floor. I'm going to have to all this stuff and these connotations you have about Holy Spirit and prayer and, and all that. Let me let me just say this. No one's going to push you. No one's going to put you. You don't have to. We don't have. You're not going to lay on the floor. None of that stuff. Listen to me. If someone pushes you, I punch them. Y'all good with that? And, and so so that's not going to happen. Um, and, and I would I would say this. Listen, 
I think it's important to lay a foundation and a groundwork when it comes to the Holy Spirit on these things because we've seen a lot of abuses and a lot of things that maybe, um, you know, were different cultural dynamics of church or denomination, but maybe aren't necessarily what God's doing every time or every moment. I know I've been in churches where if people weren't all on the ground and everybody wasn't at the altar, God didn't move. And, and so we have to be very careful. I, I would say this, that, um, that all spirit and we blow up, all word and we dry up, Word and spirit, and we grow up. And so I want to encounter the Holy Spirit, but I want to do so according to his word. And I want to say this. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit's in you. And most of the times when we get off in our doctrine or we get into weird stuff is when we get bored. Most of you that get into weird chasing doc, I mean, listen, and I'm going to say some things right now. I'm going to probably upset the Pentecostal some, and I'm going to upset the Baptist some. Okay, we're going to be right in the middle, right? That's probably a good place to be in the middle, right? And so, and so, you know, I I believe in the gifts. I I pray in tongues every day. I I operate in prophetic stuff. I have words of knowledge. I I operate in the gifts of the spirit. Okay, so, so besides that, just that aspect of it, there's also, you know, the word and the truth of it. Like we don't build a, a culture where people are falling on the ground here and all that. Here's why. If you, you can even look in the Bible, let me just say this. People don't read the Bible much anymore. And so you can look all in the Bible and see anybody that ever fell on the ground in the Bible, anybody was demon possessed or the enemies of God. Anybody. You can, I challenge you, find it in the scriptures. And a lot of people go to the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus stood up and said, I am he. They were looking for him and people fell down. So that we built a whole cultural and denomination system around people falling down based off that one incident in the scriptures. Well, let, let me just tell you something. You got to be very careful when people fell down in that garden. You know who fell down? The disciples didn't fall down. It was the enemies of God that came to take him. That's who fell down. And so, so we have to read the Bible and read the scripture and figure out what we're believing for. And, and I say it like this. If you're, if you're getting into some weird stuff and, and chasing conferences and, and all these weird things, the Holy Spirit's in you. You don't have to chase that stuff. Revival's inside of you. You carry the Holy Spirit. And so, and, and so really, I would say, if you're, people that get into that, they're bored with, 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 I call it the theology of the ordinary. Just day-to-day life. Loving our kids, loving our families, being successful, starting businesses. When's the last idea and wisdom and desire and, and step of faith you took? Like, just, just believe in God to empower you. God's still healing and still delivering and still setting free. But many times when we chase the weird stuff, it's because we're bored. It's like Christmas. There's three stages of Christmas. You're a young kid. It's revelation. Woo-hoo! What am I getting? What am I getting? What am I getting? What am I getting? What am I, getting? I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. That's like when you become a Christian and you go to church. What's going to be? What's it going to be? You've never heard this stuff. Revelation, 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 revelation. Wow, woohoo! You're excited, right? 16, 17, 14, 15, 16, there's no more anticipation of Christmas. The parents ask you what you want, and you write it on a piece of paper, and you know what you're getting. <laughs> you make a list. Right? There's no anticipation, no revelation of Christmas anymore. You know what you're getting. And so, so it's different. A lot of you are coming to church. You've been Christians for a long time. You're still trying to find revelation, but you're now in a season of exhortation. Right. Exhortation is you come to church, me telling you stuff you've already heard that you aren't doing. Right. <laughs> come on, non-tithers. <laughs> come on, angry at your spouse still every day. You know, come on, unforgiving. You know, I'm, yeah, yes, it's, it's not revelation anymore, so you get bored, so it's not as exciting, and so now you have to chase some weird wind of doctrine. 
or some weird, you know, antic of the Holy, and call it the Holy Spirit. No, 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 listen, you don't have to be bored. You can actually be settled into the, the theology of everyday life, of being successful, of being an overcomer, of being a champion, of blessing others. And the transition period in the, between 16, 17, 18, now you transition out of that and you become 20, 21, 22, 23. You get married, you have little kids, and you've got little babies. Now your job is to make Christmas a revelation for them. Three stages. And so now you're coming to church as a mature believer, not looking for all the revelation and the new stuff every time, but you're looking for Christmas to made for someone else where you're seeing new people come in and go, I'm here to bless you. I'm here to, man, God's doing this and God's doing that. Are y'all following with me? So important for you to hear this because if not, you get off into some kind of weird tangent and that's not the church we are. And I want to make it safe for you to know the Holy Spirit and engage with him. I'm not saying he doesn't do supernatural stuff. Listen, I've fallen on the ground before, and probably because I was just so desperate and so needing of God that it was my own emotional you know, state. And, 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 and I'm not saying God can't do that. God can w- wipe the whole building out if he wants to, right? But that's not what we're seeking. That's not what we're going after. We're going after life change by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to give you some thoughts today. Um, we're going to finish this series, and we're going to worship at the end and make a safe place. I say all that to say it's a safe place to encounter the Holy Spirit here. We just saw a whole entire service. You didn't see anybody crawling out of the building as you came in. <laughs> All right? And so it's just a safe environment. I think God wants to have an encounter. We can't just talk about it. We want to encounter him. And that encounter is marked with power and freedom and deliverance and, 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 and revitalization and strength and vision and energy when we encounter the Holy Spirit. I think that he's here today to encounter him that way. All through the scriptures, there were three symbols of the Holy Spirit, really four, but I want to focus on three today. Last week, we talked about God's uh, spirit making the love of God real in our heart, making the love of God full in our heart. No matter what trial we're going through, we know God loves us and his love's in our heart. We're sons and daughters. Here's the three aspects I think we need to encounter today, and there's a side effect of these three, and I think we need some of those side effects. Many of us are at different places, but number one, water. The Holy Spirit is likened to water all through the scriptures. He's water. He's this refreshing water. It just brings nourishment and refreshing in life as he flows into us and flows through our life. The scriptures talk about this renewing power of the spirit. Isaiah 44, 3 says it this way. For I will pour out water on him who is thirsty. Here's the problem. Most of us won't admit we're thirsty. And I don't mean the weird type of thirsty. Come on for this new generation. I don't mean that thirsty, but like. We have to admit that we're actually hungry and thirsty for the things of God. Many of us don't want to admit that we're parched sometimes or dry sometimes, and we try to go about it in our own strength, and we get more and more tired and more and more worn out. And the reality is you need the flow of the Spirit of God, the water of God into your life. It says, I will pour out him on those who are thirsty and floods on dry ground. Some of you might be dry ground this morning. You just need freshness. You just need life. I will pour my Spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. Man, I would love that in my life. John 7, 37 through 39. Again, water of the Spirit. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, if anyone will admit that he's actually thirsty, if anyone isn't satisfied with just going to church two times a month, maybe three, if anyone's thirsty, if anyone's not satisfied with just the the normal grind, the normal heat, the normal stress, and the normal pressure of life, if anyone's thirsty... He'll come unto me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or out of the vitality of his life, out of the vital organs, the heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit, which whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus had not yet been glorified or risen from the dead. 
talking about us believing in God. Now we're Christians. We've got the Spirit in us. And so now we can cry out, and the Holy Spirit will be these rivers of living water, rivers that bring life and quenching. I've got this hose up here, and I hate gardening. I hate yard work, so this makes me a little edgy um, just to even see a garden hose. Uh, this is a brand new garden hose. I went and bought this last night, this hose, and I got this little, this little holder. Look how sharp this is. It's clean, and it's, it's pretty. I mean, it's here. It's a garden hose from Home Depot. Got it late last night. It's never been used. I got the little nozzle on it that I can spray. And Man, it's just, you know, sitting here. It's pretty. No purpose. Not fulfilling anything that it was designed to do. Just kind of rolled up and, and wound up on, time, on, this, on this little reel here. But if I'm actually going to use it, then I've got to begin to kind of stretch it out. Come on. You want God to begin to flow life through you and the water of the Spirit, so you've got to begin to be willing to stretch a little bit, make some room, get some kinks out, make some room for God to flow. You know what a stretch for you today might be? Actually stretching out of your seat and coming up here to one of our prayer partners at the end and saying, I'm actually going to stretch for some new, some new life. And I've got this thing stretched out. But you know what? Like, you're, it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, you're, none of y'all, are, it's not connected to anything. Like, it's still not going to fulfill its purpose. It still can't water anything. It still can't have a flow. Many times we wonder why there's no flow, why we're dry, why we're, why we're, why we're wondering it's, it's parched and it's hard and I'm a Christian and I'm just dry and the, the scriptures are frustrating me and it's because there's no flow of the Spirit in your life. You're not connected to anything. You're not connected to a connect group. You're not connected to other Christians. You're not connected to your church, really. I mean, maybe a few times a month and like third service, but like, am I connected? Am I on a serve team? Am I plugging in? Am I connect? Because all those things are connected to a flow and a source coming from heaven. Not just stuff to do. It's a source. It's a flow. Come on, these guys. Come back here, Derek. I think he's going to hook it up for me. We got a little, a little hose, a little source we're going to hook it up to. Come on, we got this hose right here. And now, and now we don't have to wonder, like, I, I'm dry, but I, I need a source. Well, the Holy Spirit's the source. And so we hook this thing up. Go back there and just turn that on for me real quick. And now, and now you know, the source is plugged in. There can be a flow. There can be actual, you know, a power that comes from God. And we don't have to live dry. All right. Some of y'all were like, oh, no. First service, Pastor Emery was on the front row. He went. Some of y'all just got nervous. You were, you, were, you were good. You held the poker face. You didn't even flinch, but you were scared. I saw it. You weren't scared. You weren't worried when you knew it wasn't connected to any source. You had no concern about it whatsoever when it wasn't connected to anything. Come on. But now when it got connected, it's when you began to worry, you began to question, you began to go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Is it what's going to happen here? Can I tell you that the devil and your problems do not worry until you're connected to a source? You're wondering why your problems aren't, aren't worried about you or your, or your enemies aren't, aren't fleeing or the, the enemy and the devil isn't worried about your life because you ain't connected to anything. But the minute you decide, I'm, I'm going to actually get connected. I'm going to get connected to God and his people and the source of the Holy Spirit. I'm willing to let the Holy Spirit connect to my life. You get this flow of life. God, I'm parched. Or my, I need you to pour out life on my heart, on my soil, on my soul. Flood my life with your presence, God. I'm actually thirsty. Come on, that's where some of you are today. And I don't know how you got there, but I know life gets hot sometimes. The second thing that the the Holy Spirit is, is oil. Oil for fuel. Uh, It's an oil. It talks about all through the scriptures that we're anointed with oil or we have this oil on us. It symbolizes power and enlightenment, revelation, illuminating, healing, seeing, vision, the oil of God, the Holy Spirit of God. Isaiah 61 says it this way. And Jesus is talking or they're talking about Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Jesus 
Because the Lord has anointed me. The word anointed just means smeared me. Anointed me, smeared me with oil to preach the good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the sick and brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison doors to those that are bound. Mark 6, 13, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. The oil is a symbol again of the Holy Spirit and there's healing and power in it. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Again, the word anointed just means smeared with. Come on, you ever met anybody that had a lot of oil in their life? You know, it leaves a mark. It leaves a smudge. It leaves, a, you know, I'll go to the movie theater and I'm always looking, making sure the little headrest doesn't have any oil from anybody's hair. That grosses me out. Yeah, it's gross. You know, but, but, but there should be a smudge from your life. There should be a residue coming off of you. Like, like if you've encountered the Holy Spirit, man, you're dripping with some presence of God and it's leaving a mark places you go. It's just a smudge. It's oil. It's so important to know. I've taught you about the eagle before. And, and an eagle is an amazing picture of God's people. God likens us to an eagle all the time. And he actually says that we would renew our strength like that of the eagle. And if you know about an eagle in the Mediterranean or in the Middle East, uh, an eagle actually renews its strength at age 40. And so if it doesn't, it'll die at about age 50. But at age 40, if it will renew its strength in this little process it does, it'll actually live another 30 or 40 years. It can live to 75 or 80 years old. And so the eagle at 40 goes up onto the mountain, up to a crag in the mountain. And it actually begins to pull out all of its feathers and, 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 and rip the feathers out of it. It's bleeding all over its body. It, beats, it, it breaks its beak off and sharpens it until it falls off on the edge of the rocks. And then, and then it's sitting there and it goes to the top of a mountain where there's a waterfall because it needs running water. And once it's taken all its feathers off and beaten its beak off and everything, it goes up under the running water, which is a picture of the word of God. And it lets the running water flow over itself to heal it. And it begins to heal its body. And then the feathers grow back. And when the feathers grow back, you would think the eagle's ready to go. It's not. The feathers usually take about 40 days to grow back. Kind of an interesting picture of Jesus and his walk on the earth with the disciples for 40 days. After 40 days, the feathers grow back, but it's not ready because if it went into a storm, it would actually waterlog and suck in the water and crash and die. It couldn't, it couldn't fly. Ten days after the feathers grow back, come on, Pentecost happened ten days after Jesus rose from the dead. Ten days after the feathers grow back, these little oil sacks form under the eagle's wings, and it reaches under and breaks the oil sacks and begins to spread the oil over its wings. And it actually waterproofs itself so it can handle the storms of life. Come on, that's the Holy Spirit for you and I, that when we encounter him and the oil of God's presence gets on our life, it makes us stormproof. There's things that are trying to stick to your life. There's, there's, there's habits and sins and patterns and frustrations that want to stick to you. But if you have the oil on you, it'll actually try to grab you and it'll slide right off. God did not promise a storm-free life. He promised a storm-proof life where you can actually stand on the edge of the cliff in the face of storms and it actually makes you soar higher because you've got the oil of God's presence on you. Some of, you, some of you need the oil today. Some of you need that in your life. And then the last one, oil is fuel for fire. Number three, fire. All through the scriptures, this is not going to be a popular one, but it's a powerful one. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a symbol, or fire is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and it's a picture of refining and changing us and working inside of us and the fire of God touching our life, which sometimes is scary, but, but it's powerful. Luke 3.16 says it this way. John the Baptist says to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and everyone? Fire. fire. The Holy Spirit and fire. 
It's a scary message sometimes. It's not a popular one in today's church, in today's culture. But the reality is the only reason he's likened to fire is because of one word in his name, holy. Holy. And we're called to be a holy people. I don't mean that, that doesn't mean that we don't, you know, have a, have a drink or, you know, go to an R movie or come on, we made all these weird restrictions. That means a holy people. That means set apart. That means that you have a special relationship with, with God. And, and when he says something about your life that he doesn't want in your life, he might tell you that he doesn't want this in your life. It doesn't have anything to do with some rule or some list. He wants you to do something different here. It's a special relationship. Holy, just it's the word hagios. It means set apart, holy, special, set apart to God. It does not mean perfect. It doesn't mean that you're never going to fall, that you're never going to mess up. It just means that, that you have this relationship with God, and he likens it to fire and, like, this fire in our life. Come on, who likes to play with fire? Anybody? I like fire, man. We make fires at our house, my kids, big bonfires. Come on. You know, I made, I didn't put the video up because I didn't want to be incriminated, but I made a flamethrower with a super soaker, you know, water gun and lighter fluid with my boys several years ago thing shot eight feet mike could re- i mean it was it made the noise <laughs> we had friends over they were never allowed to our house again my wife was out of town okay ladies she was not home um but but you know it was a cool thing i like fire when my kids and us make a bonfire we watch it we, we monitor it we have to make sure because fire spreads fire moves fire takes over areas right look what proverbs says Proverbs 30, 15 through 16. There are three things that are never satisfied, four that never say enough. The grave, the barren womb, land which is never satisfied with water, and fire which never says enough. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit fire in your life never has enough of you. Wherever you are with God right now and whatever access you've allowed him into and whatever you've allowed him to consume, he wants more. It's not a pressure. It's not a, it's not a religious thing. It's not, a, it's not like your own efforts and your own vows and your own. That's why some of you are so parched because it's been your own vows and your own effort instead of just letting the fire of God have access to your life. Saying, burn that up, move that, change that, consume that, fix that. And all of a sudden there's this refining process and God says that he's a refining fire and, and this spirit will actually be a refiner where the refiner heats up the metal until the impurities rise to the top, scrapes them off and looks for his reflection. Heats up the metal until the impurities rise to the top, scrapes them off and looks for his reflection. That's Christianity. That's the Holy Spirit in your life. And you need to allow the Holy Spirit and you need to ask sometimes for the fire. God, consume some stuff. Some of you have been battling the same sin and the same habit and the same problem. Mary Bailey had a, had a word for us. She's on our prayer team. She said, people are coming and they've actually taken oppression and oppression and it's become a cloak for them. It's become a garment. And some of you here today, maybe it's depression. Maybe it's oppression. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's something. But the Holy Spirit can burn that out of your life in an instant. What you've been fighting for years. I'm not saying it's a, it's a, it's every, you know, that there's not natural and, and, and medicine and those type of things either. Don't, get, don't hear me wrong, but Holy Spirit can do supernatural things in an instant by the fire of God, yes. in the presence of God. And I think we need to be open to the, to the set-apartness of God in our life. He wants more of you. He wants more of me. Amen. My wife was telling me about her relationship with a boyfriend years ago. We were married, and she was just, we were talking about different relationships, and she began to tell me about this one guy tried to kiss her or something, and I started getting fired up a little bit. I started getting a little agitated. This was like, this has been like 20 years prior, you know? 
I'm just like, in my heart, I'm like, man, I'm about to go FBI on this sucker. You know what I'm saying? I, I can find somebody. And, and, I, and, and why? Because her and I had this separate relationship. We had this set-apart relationship. And, and it was bothering me because, because that wasn't part of that relationship. Do you know when you're kissing everything that comes across your face and letting everything influence you and letting the culture just drive your life, God's kind of bothered? It's kind of like, man, that's, that's not supposed to be. This is your mind. Your mind. Like, I love you. Like, we have a relationship. So I don't know what it is for you, but the Holy Spirit does. It could be an attitude. It could be a doubt. It could be a fear. It could be the thought that you'll never get ahead. It could be the thought that the church just wants this or It could be the thought that I can never forgive them. It could be an oppression. It could be a a sin. It could be pornography. It could be perversion. It might be you can't quit playing with yourself. Can I say that in church? It might be that you can't quit sleeping with people that aren't your spouse. Again, I'm not trying to get religious on you. I'm trying to be holy. I'm trying to say there's things that are meant for just you and God. And God's parameters are protection, not punishment. Can I be real in here with y'all? Holy Spirit, listen, you can't do it on your own. I've tried. You've got to let the Holy Spirit of God, the fire of God, the thirst of God. God, I need you. I want you. I'm going to close up with a couple thoughts. Exodus 29, it's a weird verse. It says this, that the aroma, the burnt sacrifice is a sweet-smelling aroma to God. Like, what? Have you ever smelled burnt hair? Burnt flesh? Like, that's a sweet-smelling aroma to God? Like, I don't, I, I smelled some good cologne. I smelled our drummer this morning a couple of times, Andrew, and he smelled good. I wasn't intentionally trying to smell him. I, I gave him a hug. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, man, you smell good. He's like, yeah, a couple other guys told me that. I must have the right cologne. I was like, no, you must have the wrong cologne. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like, well, and my wife told me as well. I'm like, praise God, we got that. I just, I, you know, I know a sweet-smelling aroma. Burnt hair and flesh is not a sweet-smelling aroma. It's not a sweet-smelling aroma. God says this, that when he smells that burnt sacrifice, it's sweet-smelling to him because he knows it's you allowing him to consume areas of your life that aren't in line with his will. It's you allowing the presence and fire of God to biblically burn out the things that don't line up with him. And you decide to live according to his will and his plan and not your own will and your own plan. Not making up your own theology and own philosophy to go with the day, but you're walking with the word of God. He's God. We are not. He's God. And the Holy Spirit fire has to do that work. It's not a judging fire. It's not an angry fire. It's not, a, it's not a threatening fire. It's a love. It's a grace. It's a fire to clean and cleanse and heal and bring life. Amen. Amen. I'm just, I, I know it's not popular. It's just the truth. There's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no judgment in his fire. There's love. God's parameters are protection, not punishment. Let me say this to you, and this is a sad, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. One of the scariest verses in the Bible. And we're still living here today in many cases. 
In Deuteronomy 5, 3 through 5, it's a recap, it's commentary on what happened to God's people in the desert. And Moses says this in the recap, it's commentary. It says, the Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us. Those who are here today, all of us who are alive, the Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. Moses says, I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire and you did not go up the mountain. That moment was when religion was born. That moment was when Moses stood between God's people and God because they were too scared. You remember the story? That God was on the mountain and the cloud and the fire and the booming and the, and the smoke and the lightning. Come on, God is all-encompassing. He's a scary God sometimes if you don't know him. And it's this, this, this presence and he's talking and his voice is booming and his word is going out. And God says, come up and talk to me. Let me do some things in your life. And they're like, we're too scared. Said, Moses, go for us. And a second-hand relationship with God was born. And rules and tablets were born. And this religion was born that was never intended to be. Because the people were afraid to go into the fire. Because they were afraid to encounter the Spirit. They were afraid to have a first-hand relationship. You know, the only way for us to have a first-hand relationship with God is through the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. And when we're scared to encounter him because of the fire or what it might cost us or what might be consumed or what the water might do or what the oil might, if we're kind of nervous about being a, a face-to-face with God, we can't have that relationship. And so then we settle to get it from pastor. We settle to, to go to church a couple times a month. We settle to have a distant relationship. We settle to not let the Holy Spirit speak to us in our culture because we don't want to let God have that access to who we are and what he wants to do. And so we begin to go by religion. And if we do this, check, we're good with God. If we follow all the rules, we're good with God. No, no, no. It's relationship and grace. I don't know what kind of junk. I got all my own junk in my life. But I want the Holy Spirit to have access to that stuff to refine and, and, and fire it away to make me more like Jesus. Today, you might be nervous to come up and get prayer. I don't know. I mean, God wants to do some things in your life. If you'd stand to your feet, we've got about 11 minutes in here. We've got communion on the sidewalls. We're going to go back into worship. Maybe some of you want to just slip out of your seat and get communion today and let God deal with some areas in your life. And that, you know, communion symbolizes two things. That's why there's bread and wine because Satan had two twin evils, sin and sickness. And so communion might be a way to solve the answer to those Two twin evils. Maybe you need that. Maybe some of you in here, as our prayer team comes up here, maybe you're parched today. You're like, man, I'm parched. I'm dry. I've been fighting this thing in my own strength, man, in my own battle. I need the Holy Spirit water to flow in my life. I need to connect up to something. Can I tell you, these prayer teams, partners have been praying and fasting for over a week and believe in God with you to be connected to a source to let a flow come into your life. Maybe you need to just step out, stretch out and connect to one of them and say, God, speak to me, refresh me, pour your flood out in my life. Maybe you need oil for healing. Maybe it's something in your body that the Holy Spirit needs to put oil on your life. Or maybe that oil will be on your life so that something can't stick to you. A sin, a disease, a thought, a a mindset. I don't know. Whatever's trying to grab you. Maybe it's an old girlfriend. (laughs) Or an old boyfriend. (laughs) Come on, you know you're getting them phone calls when they didn't have your number. Like, how did they, man, how did they find me? You need oil. 
And then maybe the last one, some of you need the fire of God. Like really, like, like you're willing to say, God, consume some of these areas. You've been giving in to that or you've been allowing that to stay in your life and you know your relationship is special with God and he doesn't want that in your life. You know it. But you've been doing your own thing by your own strength and you're just ready for God to consume that today. Not in a weird way, but God can handle it in an instant. He can burn that up. He can take the oppression, the depression. He can take that stuff. You don't have to own that. It doesn't have to be yours. And the Holy Spirit wants to do that. We're going to continue to worship. Let me pray for you to be open in your heart. Father, I thank you so much that you're in this place. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are a flood of life, that you are refreshing, that you are oil and fire. Today, we, we stretch out, God, and we make room for you to flow into our life. Come on, we worship you. Let's just continue to worship and begin to worship God in this place. Come on, there's prayer team up here. As we worship you, Father, we thank you for your word in this place. We thank you for your love. There's no judgment. There's no embarrassment or ridicule. Come on, we're all in this together. I believe today is a mile marker and a moment for life change, a real change, a real powerful moment that marks you. Holy Spirit, do what you do in this place. We open our life up to you right now, God. We stretch out for you to flow into our life, God. You're worthy, God. You're worthy, Holy Spirit. But you delight in 